0: A person's mindset is one of the most valuable assets that he owns. In this world where everyone is running after materialistic pleasures, most people are not concerned about their mindset and mental fitness. And that is the reason for the increasing need of great mindset coaches in the present time. Our today's guest, Rebecca Roberts, is a mindset coach and a storyteller from Switzerland will be sharing her experience and knowledge about mindset growth. So without any further delay, let the episode begin. So first, let's start with your journey. Tell me about yourself. How did you get into this area of inner architecture?
1: So I first started actually because my background is in interior design and architecture. And I always had a fascination with how spaces could make us feel, how they impact us. And over the years, I fell more and more in love with the one being impacted so the people and I I was slowly kind of moving away from caring about the spaces and more about the space that we built inside that stability and that's one reason why whenever I was looking at at your podcast This topic of how we learn, especially in school and university, I find such an interesting thing to explore because what I saw in the workplace, both from the design side and from the coaching consulting side, is oftentimes we're missing some very simple but very profound keys and skills that help us navigate this world and feel more stable and more confident and more able to hold our space as we interact and connect with those around us.
0: So, yeah. Great. So I was looking at your website and I saw a term called conscious rebellion. I'm not sure what does that mean. So could you please elaborate? Sure, sure. Sure. I work a lot with the topic of mindset
1: and a lot of times I use storytelling as an access point what are the stories that we are telling ourselves and this topic of conscious rebellion is you know to bring that little rebellious spirit that each of us have but to turn the lens into our own minds and to ask is that really true and is this story or this thought or this belief Is it supporting my growth and my learning, or is it something that I might need to rebel a little bit against just because it was a belief or an idea of my parents or the society and culture that I grew up in? Is it truly something that I have experienced as true, or can I choose to ask the question, is that really true for myself? And so this is the process of conscious rebellion is to look into our own thoughts and our own stories and test them right just test them it doesn't mean to throw them out without you know any thought but it means to ask instead of just holding on to something because it's what i was taught should i hold on to it instead because it's something that i see proven in my life and if not then can I shift my mindset, my belief system into something that actually feels more true in alignment for me. So that's that little bit of rebelliousness, but not just for the sake of rebelling, but for the sake of bringing more of ourselves forward for, yeah, for deeper connections, for
0: more playfulness in life, actually. So how do you help people to make them connect with their inner self? Yeah. So there are a couple of key things that
1: when I was especially thinking about the things that I wished that I had learned earlier in life, one of them is mastering your focus. So meaning that life happens on a spectrum and everything that we're thinking and believing in, you know, if you think about, you might have some of those friends that they kind of always head towards the worst case scenario. Oh, and this could go wrong and this could happen. And, oh, we need to watch out for this. And then sometimes you have folks that always go to, if everything works out perfectly, this is going to be amazing. And in truth, life happens on a spectrum. And my experience, depending on my perspective, can sometimes when I look at it, you know, let's say I get laid off from a job. On the worst-case scenario, I could believe that I'm worthless and I'm, you know, my my confidence has taken a total hit. And on the flip side, I could believe, wow, okay, so I'm going to learn something new because clearly something wasn't in alignment between me and that company, but now I have a chance to do something different and maybe to take a step that I never would have taken. If I was in charge of making that move. And so when we realize that life happens on that spectrum, it is about where we choose to focus and what brings us the most energy. I can absolutely focus on that part that says I'm worthless and oh, my gosh, I've failed. One part of that may be true, but that will not feed us into creating something. It will feed into a victim mindset, it will feed into a feeling of helplessness and that I am at the effect of my exterior world. But if I recognize that the full spectrum is possible and I consciously direct my attention towards looking for the opportunities that this difficult situation brings, then I'm stepping into my conscious creator self. I'm stepping into that mindset And so it's not this, you know, a lot of times right now I'm hearing this term, toxic positivity. It's not to deny that the other part exists, but it's to recognize that I can learn from it. But if I only focus on how I've failed in my mind, then I miss the chance for growth and learning. And I just stay kind of caught up in that cycle. So one of the things is to be aware of mastering our focus and also mastering the focus between inside and outside. One of the other things that I love is remembering to learn how to learn, and that is bringing curiosity in. There's, what is it, the historian Yerval Harari. Um, He talks a lot about the fact that our future is going to be based, or our future success is going to be based on how easily we are able to adapt And learn new things because there are many careers many ways that we do things right now that in 10 years may be completely obsolete or may have changed so much that we have to relearn everything that we know and so instead of this idea of between a b and c the only correct answer is a it is also recognizing to take it into context and bring the power back into our hands to be flexible, to be curious, and to see how a lot of times the way that we allow ourselves to learn our degree of openness is also what opens us up to potential, what opens us up to also being able to question our own thoughts and beliefs and ideas in that way of conscious rebellion that we talked about.
0: So as you talked about mastering focus I would like to ask you that how do you actually train yourself to focus just on the positives and not on the negatives?
1: Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorite parts, but it's often the times or the place that I get the most resistance from clients and from teams because it is paying attention to the language that we use. And it sounds so simple, but it is the acknowledgement and the awareness that our language creates our identity. The words that we use and the way that we use them creates how we see ourselves. And then how we believe ourselves to be who we believe ourselves to be sets the stage for how we step out into the world. And so one simple example um, is, is actually if you think about, let's take something simple. The other day, I, I ended up accidentally locking my keys <laughs> inside of the house. I stepped outside the front door and I realized, ah, I don't have my keys. In that moment, I that was a moment where I made a mistake. And the two different ways that I could view that is, oh my gosh, I'm such an idiot. I locked my keys inside of the house, versus, oh my gosh, that was such an idiotic thing to do. I locked my keys inside of the house. Now, it sounds subtle, but this is something that they've talked about in positive psychology is that one of them, I am such an idiot, implies that me, myself, my identity, I believe myself to be an idiot. The other one is, I did an idiotic thing. I did something stupid. So the idiotic thing is tied to the action, but not to who I believe myself to be. And if we recognize the words and the sentences that we are saying over and over again, they give us clues to those stories and those beliefs. One of the simplest ways is if we just look at Passive language versus active language. So, if we think about the sentences that we say quite often, passive language involves words like, especially verbs, I have to, I should, I must, I can't, I shouldn't. It's all of these words that, if you truly think about it, it feels like the outside world is imposing something on us. Versus A few much simpler words that are in the active form, which is, I choose, I can, I'm able to. And these words bring all of the power back into our own hands. And When it comes to this term of responsibility, any one of my clients knows I love this, is recognizing that a lot of times we view responsibility as this heavy thing, right? It's a burden. It's something that I have to take on. But if we can shift our viewpoint from responsibility is something very heavy to responsibility is simply the recognition of I have the ability to respond in every moment, meaning I have the ability to choose my response to the outside world. And so if, for example, I'm looking at my job and I'm saying, oh, I have to do this project. Well, maybe on one level, but there is still inherent choice. You choose to work for this company which means that you are choosing to follow the rules and the expectations that they have, which means, in essence, you are choosing this project. And so when we keep outsourcing our choice and our power, then we lose a lot of that. But when we can catch those words that we're using and we begin to say, no, I don't have to, I choose to do this project well. I choose to have this conversation that might be kind of tough with my boss or my partner. And in this way, what it starts to do is this is mental fitness. This is exercising that muscle of remembering that we have choice in this life, remembering that we can question our own thoughts. They are not set in stone. And so this is probably one of the best ways It's very simple, but it's it's not always easy to start challenging those old thoughts and beliefs we have. But sometimes just that little switch of the verb, of one word in a sentence, starts to change the way that we see ourselves, and as a result, the way that we
0: interact with the world around us. So recently I was reading a book in which I came across a quote that says, the desire for more positive experience is itself a negative experience and the acceptance of negative experience is itself a positive experience so do you agree with this quote like do you believe that having desire for more positive things will turn out to be negative
1: i would say it's it's correct and incomplete so i mean I'll I'll take it from a different place and then we can come back to that statement. So in this moment, I used to think of the present moment as like this thin line between all that has happened in the past and all that would happen in the future. So the present moment felt kind of like a tightrope that I was walking. But at some point in time, that mental image shifted into recognizing that this moment right now is made up of all the things that have happened in the past. So it is very full and all of that exists and helped to create exactly what is happening right now. Now, this present moment is inevitable. It can't be any other way because that's how it is. This is exactly what is happening in this moment. And I'm not talking about how we imagine it, what are the labels that we put on it, but this moment, it's just inevitable. Now, if I don't have hope for the future and I just look in this moment and I think, oh, if I'm not liking my experience in this moment, and I don't believe that I have any power to choose, then if I'm only believing and wishing that things were more positive, then yes, I am going to be absolutely miserable (laughs) because I don't believe that I have any power to change it. And so without hope, or some people get hung up on the word hope, so I can also exchange it with without trust that things in the future can be different than they are right now, that's my definition of hope that we're talking about, then if I'm wishful thinking for the positive, without believing I have power, I'm going to be miserable. I will suffer. Now, if I have full acceptance of this moment as it is, and I have hope and trust that the future can be different, simultaneously, this moment is filled with all of the potential of Everything, all the different lifetimes and all the different choices that could exist in that next step. And so, if I have zero vision about where I want to go, meaning zero idea that it could be positive, then yeah, I I might be a little bit lost. Whereas if I have full acceptance and that hope and vision for a positive future, so So in some ways, holding both of those thoughts, that acceptance of the negative and hope for the positive, this is the place where I can step into creating my future, into creating a reality and an experience that I actually am excited about. And so it's a bit of a paradox. It is at one time full acceptance of the negative and also holding in my mind, in my heart, in my energy, what it is that I want to create, which most of us I think would choose to create something positive for us, even if it's not positive for everyone around us.
0: So let's talk a bit about overthinking. Most people refer overthinking as a negative term, but what if a person is overthinking in positive terms? Like if he's overthinking about his success, is that a negative thing? So I think a
1: lot of times we want to label something as positive and negative. And I think that overthinking in itself, that that word, it implies too much of thinking, right? And I would say it's more in the experience. If I am thinking a whole lot about something and it gives me energy. And it drives me forward towards the things that I love and I'm excited about creating. Hell yeah, more power to it. If I am thinking a whole lot and it is causing me suffering, anxiety, frustration, pain, then I would say this is not serving me. And so instead of it being a positive or a negative, one of the greatest questions to ask is Is all of this serving me? Is this serving a purpose? And that's kind of the way to cut through the good and the bad, the right and the wrong mentality is if I am thinking about something a lot of what it is that I want to create, fantastic. And if I'm doing it consciously, if I'm choosing it, even better. If I am stuck in a loop where I am thinking about something that has happened in the past, and it is bringing shame and guilt and frustration and agitation and anger into my life, I would say that that's probably not serving us so well. So my answer would be, it's just the question. I don't think it's overthinking is good or bad. Um, I think it's more, is this actually serving me and bringing me more towards creating what it is that I want to experience in this life?
0: So, since we are born, nobody taught us how to think. Everybody tells us what to think, what not to think. So this topic of how to think is something that we need to educate ourselves about because nobody is going to teach it to you. So my question is, what is the process of learning how to think? Mm.
1: That's a big question. So when it comes to how we learn and how we think, I'll I'll use one example, and it's just to take one piece of this. But one of the places that I see folks, myself included, getting the most hung up and the most stuck is the idea of looking for how do I find the right answer? Because in school, that's how most things are set up. There's a right answer, there's a wrong answer. And when we're asked to give an essay or, or some kind of um, you know more, more free description, if it's not just A, B, C, or D, then still there's someone, normally one person, who is grading that as right or wrong. Now, there are certain factual things in history that if we're asking about a year or a date, then fine. That's, that can be a multiple choice. But what I've realized is that very few of us have been taught that many times in our lives, it is not about choosing the right answer, but it is instead checking within ourselves and asking, what is it that I want to create? How does this align with my values, with my belief systems, with what it is that I value in life? And can I be brave enough to make this choice? Because when it comes down to it, oftentimes, I mean, there are times when I have clients who they've got three decisions in front of them on the table, you know, maybe it's stay with the job, take a new position inside of the company or leave. Um, And they're just, they're so, I don't know what is the right choice. What is the right choice? And, my, my clarity there is if we're always looking for the right choice, we sometimes will get stuck in a loop versus if we have that idea, what would I like to choose and what could making each of these choices bring to me? And then it becomes a little bit lighter when we recognize you can't make the wrong choice I truly believe this. We can make choices that cause us a bit more suffering and frustration, and sometimes that we learn the harder way than what we would have. But when we take some of that pressure off and think, oh my gosh, there's only one right choice and all of the rest of them will be failures, but instead I can't fail, especially when I'm making personal decisions, what I can do the best is check in with myself instead of paying attention to all the things around me and just ask, what is it that I truly want? And a lot of times that's the more difficult thing is that we've been taught to look for what we want in the outside world. We've been taught the right salary, the right job, who the right partner looks like, all of this based on inputs from culture, from our families, from society, from social media, and a lot of times we've never slowed down enough to ask well what is it that i actually find attractive was it what is it that i desire and that process sometimes takes some time because it's peeling back the layers of all of the ideas and concepts that we have and so that's one of the biggest ways is to Step back from this black and white, right and wrong, you know, good and bad, but instead to go in with a certain amount of curiosity, both about ourselves and about the world around us. And that's one way that a lot of times we can start to not only shift our mindset but also recognize that there's a chance and an opportunity to be able to learn in a different way and to be able to open our minds up to seeing something
0: from a fresh perspective. So which three books would you like to recommend for mindset growth? No. Okay. I'm looking at my bookshelf because
1: there are a few that I absolutely love. Um, My favorite book, probably one of my, I keep it with me all the time, is War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Um, It is specifically when it comes to mindset in the aspect of resistance, namely how we get in our own way of changing and growing and playing. Um, Another one is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I absolutely love this book because it talks about how do we turn our big picture goals into small steps and how do we create those habits and build those habits to back up the identity of who we choose to be. And so it's really powerful with that mindset aspect and probably one of the others that I'm... I'm in the middle of listening to again, but is from Brene Brown, Atlas of the Heart. So it's quite new out. But this is talking about how emotions affect our mindset and recognizing that when we're able to label and speak clearly about what we're experiencing, how powerful that is in allowing us to connect and to understand each other and
0: ourselves better. All right. So let's bring this to an end. What is the last message that you would like to give to the audience? Hmm. I
1: think probably one of the greatest things is to not underestimate the power of your own language and the stories that you're telling yourself. Because when it comes to your power of creation, you are constantly creating. It's just, are you creating those stories and those things that bring you into action that you're excited about in your experience? Or are you creating that experience through your thoughts and through your stories that is limiting you and making you feel small? And so it's really just a remembrance of how powerful you actually are.
0: I hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure to follow and rate the podcast on the platform that you are currently listening. And we will meet soon with a new episode.